Alright everyone, and welcome back to another installment here of the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Uh, we got plenty to break down here going on in the last week. I mean, plenty of news, and, and sorry for getting to it a little bit late. Didn't uh, have the time to really get in front of the microphone, but uh, we're making time here because I really want to get a podcast out this week. There's a lot going on, and we'll have some stuff coming up later uh, in the next week. Um, we'll definitely have that coming out, so just be on the lookout for that because we are going to talk a lot over the next week. Um, a lot about Parisi and Suter. That's that's what we're going for here. That's the biggest sports news um, because two of the biggest days in Minnesota sports history is July 4th, 2012, when they brought in Parisi and Suter. And the second biggest day was on Tuesday. I believe that was July uh, 13th. And that was the day that they cut, uh, July 13th, 2021, which was the day that they cut Parisi and Suter. Now, Parisi and Suter signed 13-year contracts, so uh, they're still on the book for a while. Um, so let's just get right into uh, let's just get right into that part of it because they, you know, they still have the Wild saved 10 million dollars in cap space this year, but overall the dead cap hit is going to be 27 million dollars, um, probably more over the next. Uh, few years. I mean, they're going to have to eat a lot of dead money um, to pay out the rest of these contracts because they signed 12-year contracts in 2012 or 13-year contracts in 2012. Parisian Suter, identical contracts. So they're going to have to be shelling out a lot of money for a very long period of time. And that is the danger of signing players to contracts that are longer than a decade or close to a decade in length. Because you have no idea how they're going to perform. A lot can change in 13 years. Heck, for Parisi, a lot changed in five years. Um, when you, uh, a lot, maybe six years, seven years. Um, you know, and uh, stuff just changes like that. It's such a long period of time. Um, players like it because they obviously have the long-term financial security. But teams, they're gonna stress. They're gonna stress more shorter contracts and and away from all this kind of stuff, um, because you run into situations like this. Now this pre now don't get me wrong, this Parisi the Parisi suitors signing was fine. I'm not here to say that that was a mistake or that was terrible. The Wild never should have done it. They should do it again in a heartbeat, and maybe in another life they end up winning a cup. And we'll get to that in a second. But this cut this week, the two cuts absolutely needed to happen. Parisi and Suter could not be on this Minnesota Wild roster going forward, and for Parisi's sake. Um, his minutes were going down. I know he had a couple goals in the playoffs, and, and it was great, and he kind of gave the team a shot in the arm, but ultimately, he still wasn't enough to push them over the top. Um, ultimately, Parisi was, his minutes were going down, and his minutes weren't going back up to the start of next season. His role was going to be a very low-minute player, and if you're Parisi, you're making all this money, you signed this contract, you were supposed to be the face of this team, and you're getting kind of relegated to a fourth liner, that's... You know, you don't want to be in that situation. So um, hearing reports from people like Darren Wolfson of KSTP um, basically said that Parisi got his wish. Parisi did not want to be in Minnesota anymore. He just felt like it was time to move on. And you know what? The Wild felt the same way. Um, they let the season ride out, and then they cut Parisi. And Parisi will probably go to the Islanders or something like that. He's had some connections to them in the past. He almost got traded to the Islanders a few seasons ago. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. But Parisi... It's gone. It was a pure hockey move. He's just, the toll on his body, the injuries he's gone through over the years, just Parisi just dumping everything he had into this game. And that's great. But he's starting to feel the physical effects of that. He, he's just slower on the ice. He's not the same player he was even f a few years ago. 
So it it's just how things work out, especially with these longer term contracts. It's just kind of how they work up. You work out. You're almost just destined for a bad breakup. Um, and Parisi just needed to happen. He's glad to be out of there and he can get a fresh start. The Wilder glad to kind of change house a little bit. But the Suter contract was the one that also needed to happen. And Parisi was cut from a pure hockey standpoint, or at least like the bulk of it was a pure hockey standpoint. He just couldn't perform anymore. That's just how it worked out. But Suter, on the other hand, that was he was cut because of culture and locker room. He was cut because... I mean, and again, this is all hearing from, this is like third-hand reporting. I'm not breaking anything new, and if I say something and it's not heard anywhere else, then it's probably wrong. But from the sources I've heard again, from Darren Wolfson, that the pre, that the suitor uh, signing blindsided suitor. I mean, he was on the speaker phone, he was on speakerphone, uh, GM, wild GM Bill, Bill Gurren, and he was on the phone w- uh, with suitor, and Owner uh, Craig Leopold was with uh, Gurren when they cut Suter, and Suter hung up the phone on him. He was that just blindsided um, to be cut. And Suter is somebody who had a very close relationship with the Wild owner. The Wild owner drove him all the way to like Green Bay for a surgery when he broke his leg a few years ago. So the owner personally drove a player. Like they they are very close. And again, that's just more that bad when you have big contracts like that. They just are destined for a messy, messy divorce. And Suter, uh, you know, and I've heard some some people say, you know, like, well, obviously he got blindsided. You know, he's just, you know, whatever. But some people have also made the claim that, you know, that's kind of shows why they cut Suter you, for a locker room issue. I mean, Suter was a problem in the locker The Wild, for years, never had a good locker room. They Even when they were winning games, even outside of maybe 2017, when they won a lot of games and they were like second in the West, and then they still got bounced in the first round by the Blues. Um, so maybe even a little bit then, but they've always kind of had a messy locker room. And and the biggest thing was it was just it always broke into factions. It was like it was like a it was like a dang high school. Um, players would just kind of break into their own little cliques, and then they would go at war with each other. And I think there was a towards the end of this season there were reports that you know when Parisi's minutes were getting low and he was being scratched, um, a healthy scratch from games, just being completely sidelined, that some players were like, yeah, you know, you kind of have to do that. Parisi's just not the player he was. And there were some players that said, hey, he's given everything for this organization. You know, he's one of your top paid guys. He's supposed to be one of the faces of your team. You can't just not play him or just not, you can't tell him to not put on his skates for a game. And that kind of broke out, and Suter was leading that charge in the pro Parisi camp because obviously him and Parisi are very close. They signed identical contracts on the same day. Um, you know, they have a close relationship, and to see some guy like that get dragged down, um, it, it's you know, it's not good. And voicing his displeasure, and the locker rooms had issues, and it was just a and uh, Gurren is a culture guy. He he's preached culture for a very long time, and. I think what this shows, this cut, these cuttings show two things. One, Billy G, the GM of the Wild, has some cojones. He is not afraid to make that decision. He was ready. Like, they were waiting for the right opportunity, and the, the Seattle Kraken expansion draft forced their hand because Parisi and Suter have no move clauses. Um, they would have had to protect them in the expansion draft, which leaves you know, could leave Talbot open to getting snagged. It could leave another player open to getting, you know, could leave Greenway open to getting plucked. Um, and 
it forces your hand to be like, oh, well, you know, if maybe you can, maybe that's easier for Billy G to go to the owner and be like Leopold and be like, look, Craig, we can't keep these guys anymore. Like we are going to give up our young players. We need to move on. And, and this is a lot of dead cap. So I got to give props to Leopold for actually making the move and going ahead with it. Cause you don't make that move unless you have the owner with you 100%. Um, and the number two thing is this is Bill Guerin's team now. This is his team. This is his locker room. Um, this is his, you know, he wants the culture to be a certain way. Dean Evison, the head coach, he wants it to be how they want. You know, he wants, he has a vision for this team and that's great. And, you know, obviously he's had some, he, you know, as a player, he's won chips as he's won Stanley cups as a player. He's won Stanley cups working in the executive offices. Um, he's a guy that knows what it takes to win. He's a guy that knows what a championship culture looks like. And the wild for years have had championship level talent, but never a championship level culture. And Parisian Suter, while they were great players in their own right and not necessarily bad teammates, they couldn't build that culture. And whether it was to their undoing, they just sometimes players can't be leaders. Parisi and Suter were never able to build that culture. And it doesn't mean that they were bad teammates necessarily. It doesn't even necessarily mean that they were bad. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were bad teammates. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. But sometimes in organizations, you feel like your best player needs to be your leader. You feel like because you're the best player on the team or you're the highest paid player on the team that you need to be the leader. You need to be the guy that's always standing on top of the table. You need to be the guy getting in people's faces. You need to be the guy doing this or that and this and that. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes you can't have your best player be your leader. And it was kind of something like this I was talking about uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves a few years ago when Ryan Saunders first took the head coaching job. They were a very young team, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. They already traded Jimmy Butler. So I said Taj Gibson is the leader of the Timberwolves. Now, he was far from the best player on that team because you had Cat and Robert Covington at the time. But he was the veteran guy. He knew how to do this. He'd been around teams. He knew how to lead. And he was just a quiet leader. And that was what the Timberwolves needed. I mean, they didn't win a lot of games, but like that was, you know, that was the leader of the locker room and it didn't lead to any messiness. Jimmy Butler was the quote unquote leader at the time. And he was a terrible leader. I mean, you see it in Miami. He's not necessarily great. You see it in Minnesota, in Chicago. He wasn't great. Um, but that's the thing. Parisian Suter were far from the best. I mean, they were far from, they met all the criteria, I should say. They met this, they were the highest paid, they were the best players on the team for the longest time, and so the natural thought was they should be leaders. And that's just not how it works out. That's, you can't, you can't just assume that they will be because they weren't. That just wasn't their role. They should have, and there was Koivu, I know, he was the captain and all that kind of stuff, but the faces of the team, the faces of the wild were Parisi and Suter, mainly Parisi. And they just were not good leaders. They weren't cut out for that. And I don't know if that was the team trying to make them be the leaders or they themselves just bestowed it upon themselves and didn't want to give it up. I don't know. But they were not meant to be leaders. So Parisi and more Suter. Suter is a productive hockey player. Suter will go to another team and he will find success. And the bad teammate stuff will probably go away because he is not in a leadership position. He can go to a team like the Avs. He can go to the Blues. He can go to whoever. 
and just be a guy. He can just be, you know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to play hockey, I'm going to go home. He doesn't feel the pressure to need to like be a locker room guy. He doesn't feel he can just do his thing. And he'll find success doing that. I'm very sure Parisi, maybe he'll find kind of a little uh, you know, second wind as his career uh, kind of winds down, but I mean, they're just not meant to be leaders. And that's not to say that they'll be bad hockey players going forward or that they'll be bad teammates going forward. They were just put in a position they were not capable of doing. And so if you're the Wild and you give Kaprizov this big extension or you give, you know, you have Boldy or you have all these, you know, some of these guys, you don't necessarily need to put your best player in the team leader position. Find a good team leader and make that your team leader. You know, Nelson Cruz, he's one of the best, he's one of the better players on the Twins team, but he's not the best. You would say that it's probably Buxton, or you would say, I mean, this season he's been the best because everybody's been hurt, but you'd say Buxton's the best player. And that's not even to say Buxton's a bad leader, but Nelson Cruz is the leader. He's the veteran in the room. He knows what to do. You know, when right when he came in, he was the best, you know, right when Nelson Cruz came in, he was the leader, unquestioned. And that was season's where Miguel Sano was better than him. That was a season where, you know, you had guys like Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco were, you know, but the way that the team shook out, they were uh, the better players. They didn't necessarily have to be leaders. And that's the thing with Parisi and Suter. Um, They were terrible leaders, and that is what downfalled them more than anything they ever did on the ice. The locker room was always a mess, and in hockey, you just can't have that happen. So let's... Let's just kind of take one last look here. So the Seattle Kraken expansion draft is coming up on Wednesday. And with Parisi and Suter gone, now the Wild um, have uh, two open spots that they used to protect. And then they made sure that they could protect Talbot. And they made sure that they could protect um, Greenway. And now it looks like Susie and uh, Capo are on the risk of uh, leaving. And they're, they're probably going to go to Seattle. The Seattle expansion draft, and we'll talk about this more next week, but... Uh, not as they're not going to get as good of a haul as Las Vegas got when they uh, when they came into the league. Um, so, and just one one last thing uh, on the Parisi Suter thing um, is they failed to win a cup and go on a deep playoff run. But I wouldn't call it a total disaster. I wouldn't call it an ep, you know disaster of epic proportions because imagine if they just would have been terrible hockey players. That would have been the pure disaster um, if they just wouldn't have worked from the start. Uh, so. They, you, we got some good moments. We got highly competitive hockey um, in the terms of making the playoffs a bunch, and that got old after a while, but it kept the Wild relevant at a time when they weren't really relevant. So, um, And that big move put Minnesota you know, sports on the map for a while. It's like this team was willing to step out and do that, and you know, with whether it's this or whether it's Kirk Cousins or whether it's Josh Donaldson, and we'll get to contracts with the Twins in a second, but never fault a team for taking a big risk in a market like Minnesota. The Yankees take big swings all the time. You don't really applaud them for it. You're like, that's fine. Like, we kind of expect it. The Twins, the Wild, the Wolves, the Vikings, they take big swings on free agents. Don't get mad at them if they fail when they're calculated. The Parisian Superman was a calculated decision. Cousins was a calculated decision. Josh Donaldson, it wasn't like rash decisions. So don't get mad at them because they don't work out get just that's just how that's how taking big contracts go there's a lot of weight there's a lot of expectation and you're not you're almost always never going to meet that 
So don't get mad at a Minnesota sports team for taking a big swing because they don't do that very often. They're starting to in the last 10 years, but not as much. So even though the Parisi Suter thing bottomed out because they weren't great leaders, it's still there was still success in the sense of it brought relevant hockey and it showed that Minnesota sports franchises can take big swings because you saw a lot of Minnesota sports franchises taking the big swings after that Parisi Suter move. So uh, their impact on Minnesota sports history will be known. It won't be known for all the ways we want them to, but make no mistake, the Parisi Suter signing should be done 100 times out of 100 and maybe at least one of those who win a cup. Uh, anyway, so let's move on to the Twins here. Uh, Buxton and Barrios trade talks um, are gaining steam. Um, and this is something that we don't really want to talk about. It was something that was kind of speculated when the Twins were first bad uh, at the, in April, May. And we're like, okay, it d- looks like this team is going to be a wash this year. Um, and with Buxton and Barrios becoming impending free agents after 2023, the team people are like, well, the Twins could really get a haul for Barrios or Buxton. And... If you're, you know, if you don't think you're going to sign them long term, then you need to do that. Um, and we've talked about this already. We kind of talked about Buxton and Barrios last week on the podcast, but this comes as Ken Rosenthal reported um, in the Athletic that the Twins have reached out to Buxton recently in trade talks, and basically it seemed it was a seven-year, seventy-plus million, so it's more than seventy million a year. And then there's also incentives, which for a injury-riddled player like Buxton incentives are good. The problem is seven years, 70 plus million is still too low. Byron Buxton is a $20 million a year player. I would pay Buxton five years, a hundred million dollars. And I wouldn't think twice about it because the injuries are out of his control. I know people say he's always hurt, but it's not like, it's not like he, it's not like he's babying an injury. Buxton got hit in the pitch with a hand. It got hit in the hand by a pitch. There's not much you can do about that. Um, there's just not a lot of injury stuff going on that is always out of his control. The crashing into walls thing, um, the you know, the being too aggressive or sliding, you know, breaking his dislocating a finger or something like that, sliding into a base, those are stuff that you can re- regulate a little bit more. But some of these Buxton injuries are just fluky. And he'll be a guy that'll never give you 140, 150 games a season. But if you can just get 100 games out of Buxton in a season, that's a win. And he's worth every penny. He's worth all $20 million. Byron Buxton is a generational talent. Um, and the power is coming. He's still a good defender. He's everything, you know, he's good on the bases. He's a shot in the arm for this team. Buxton needs to remain in Twins uniform. Because I don't want to see Buxton wearing a different uniform. Because for all the talk about guys who leave the Twins and find success, you know, if we talk about David Ortiz, or if we talk about, uh, you know, uh, there was a, for a while when the Twins kind of broke apart their old core, like Michael Kadair found success in Colorado. Justin Morneau found success in Colorado. Um, you know, all these guys, they leave the Twins, and then they kind of find some breath of success. Akil Badu uh, for the Tigers is a, a twin killer. Um so it's, it's, I, I don't want to see Buxton in another uniform. Could you imagine Buxton in a Blue Jays uniform? Could you imagine Buxton in a Yankees uniform, a Red Sox uniform? Could you imagine Buxton, you know, just anywhere other than Minnesota? Could you imagine him, um, I don't even know. Could you imagine him in, I'm trying to just think, could you imagine him in a, in a Cubs uniform? Could you imagine him in just anything else? And especially, especially if it's in the American League, if it's when you're going to have to play him a bunch, 
Could you imagine him in an Astros uniform? I I don't want to have that. I don't want to see that. I do not. I want to see Buxton in a Twins uniform for the next five years. I want that. The Twins need to make that work. And I know there's injury concerns. But you have to give him more than a $10, $15 million base. It has to be a $20 million base and give him incentives to make more. Give him $20 million with the incentives to get it up to 25 That's perfectly fine. George Springer, Jorge Springer, making uh, with uh, the Blue Jays. He left uh, Houston with some injury history. He's now making a lot of money in Toronto. He should Buxton should be making that much money. Buxton probably says, I'm younger. I'm more dynamic. I've received MVP votes. How many has Springer had? Um, you need to keep Buxton. But the whole reason why I'm on this soapbox about you need to keep Buxton is because it just really feels like in this article, in the article, it says the Twins have reached out and they said if they don't get a deal done soon, they could trade him potentially July 31st and they could trade. And if they don't do that, there's a good chance they trade him in the off season. Which is why, and it's not even a Buxton thing. The Twins have burned this Buxton bridge a lot. Just the handling of his injuries, the service time manipulation a few years ago um, in 2018 that kept him away from the team. Um, th- believe me, there, Buxton is uh, upset about that. Because Now, granted, Buxton would be hitting the free agent market this year. The Twins got him another year under their control, so they get him for 2023. But, you know, that, that turned him off. Buxton, you know, I don't know how much Buxton and Brios want to be here even. Brios had the Twins take him to salary arbitration just to make sure he didn't get a raise. You know? Uh, there's just things like that the players remember. They're like, this this front office has tried to screw me before, and you know what? When they come contract negotiation time, I'm not going to give them the team-friendly deal. I'm not going to give them the, oh, well, I really want to work out a deal with you guys. It's going to be, no, we're hitting the open market and bleep you. That's exactly what they're saying at this point, Buxton and Brios. And if Buxton, I don't think either of them get traded this year. I think it would take a lot for teams to move, um, for a team to move. The Twins are asking a lot for Barrios. Um, but this report, and somebody pointed this out on Twitter, this report from uh, The Athletic and Ken Rosenthal just seems like a Twins go, you know, they'll trade Buxton and Barrios, or they'll trade somebody at the deadline, and they're floating it out there. But they're floating out that they also tried to reach out for contract extension to be like, well... We tried. You know, oh, we just really wanted to keep Buxton. We tried, but uh, I just didn't want to sign, and what are you going to do? And I can understand that gut-level argument from if you, like, you're realistically having good-faith negotiations. And I think the Twins are a little bit, but they're still trying. The Twins have tried to lowball Buxton and Brios throughout this entire process, and I think that's also weighed on them. They're like, look, we're not signing early deals. And you guys keep trying to lowball us. You guys are not giving us what we think we are going to make. So why would we take this low offer now when we know we're going to make bank on the open market? Buxton will make bank on the open market. A team will say that the injury histories will go away. And at some point, they have to. Barrios? Barrios is going to make Zach Wheeler money. Jose Barrios is going to make $30 million. He's going to make a lot of cash. And deservedly so. So... The Twins also have the, the flexibility to do both. The Twins owner was on the radio uh, last week and said that they have the capability, they have the, they have, they're willing to do both. Now, whether they actually do it remains to be seen. I'm not going to jump, I'm not going to do the cheap poll ad bit, but um, they have the, they have the money to do both. 
And for a while, it felt like they kept signing players to one- and two-year deals because they knew that the Buxton and Barrios extensions were coming down the pipe. So they wanted to make sure they had the flexibility to sign both of them. And now it's... I, I don't know. It's If you're going to keep at least one of these players, you have to keep Buxton, I think. Buxton is more... Now, Barrios, it's, the Twins don't really... The Twins have had struggles developing pitching. Um, especially top-of-the-rotation starters. Jose Barrios is the closest thing we've had to a pure ace since Francisco Liriano, Johan Santana. Um, so you you need... I mean, at worst, Barrios is a number-two starter. At worst. And a team will still pay a lot of money to have a really good number-two starter, even if he never becomes an ace. So Barrios is a good player, but he costs more money, and... You can get a lot bigger haul for Brios if you trade him. Buxton, you know what you have. He's a guy that can lead off. He's a guy that can hit anywhere in the lineup. He's a guy that can play center, can t- turn doubles into outs in center field. Um, just the power showing up for Buxton. I just think Buxton is still ascending, even at age 27 20, or 28 or wherever he's at right now. Pay Buxton right now. Barrios feels like he never really wanted to sign. He always wanted to hit the open market. And maybe Buxton does too. But it just felt like with Barrios, he was always waiting to hit the market. So jump the market, trade him, send him to Toronto, get a couple of their top prospects. You can get a lot for Barrios, especially if you have an extra year of team control. So I'm okay if the Twins trade Barrios. I'm, I'm more okay with it, I should say. I'm not like seeking it, but I'm more okay with that. I'm not okay if you trade Buxton. I'm just not. I just also because there's really not a contingency plan for Buxton. You have Jordan Belazovic in uh, the minor league system, who's looking really good for the Twins um, for a pitcher. You have a couple guys coming up the pipe who you think can at least replace it, and then maybe with the money that you didn't sign Barrios with, you take like half of that and you go get another. You know, you go get somebody. I don't know, but. Buxton is, Buxton is, both players are hard to replace. Let's start with that. But if I'm picking which one I think is going to be harder to replace, it's got to be Byron Buxton. Just he can do so much. He's so dynamic when healthy, and the injuries will always be a concern, but man, Buxton, Buxton is special, and we can't lose that. All right, uh, we got a couple things to wrap up with here. Um, talking to the Lynx, their winning streak goes up to seven now. They're and uh, looking, I'll look on their record, but they've won seven games in a row. It's been a really great stretch for them, um, and it's something they had a very slow start to the year. Again, we've talked about this on the podcast. They've had a very slow start to the year. Cheryl Reeve is, you know, wasn't really happy with their defensive effort. Really wasn't happy with how they were doing things. And they turned it around. They now have the fourth best record in the WNBA and the third best in the Western Conference. And they came by beating um, last week a team ahead of them in the standings, the Aces, who are 15-6. and six. They beat them um, to continue the win streak. And then they also had another game uh, last Sunday against the Sparks. And they just wiped the floor with them. But again, you can just see this team is clicking on all cylinders and this winning streak came at the very worst time. This winning streak absolutely came at the worst time because they are on the Olympic break, because some of the players are on the Olympic roster. Um, they The whole league is shut down until after the Olympics. So the next Lynx game is not until August 15th, and that's when they go back home to play the New York Liberty. 
So if you're a team, you're clicking on all cylinders, you're hitting your stride, you're one of the, I mean, let's be honest, the Lynx are the best team in the league. You win seven games in a row, you're the best team in the league, or at least you're at that time. Like, you're the hottest team in the league. And now you have a month break where you lose all that momentum, and you have to come back, because you're not even, it's not even like you're practicing. You're just away from the team. You're away from the facility. You're away from doing all this stuff. So we'll see if they can be able to jumpstart that and get back. Now, the the Liberty are about a 500 team, so they're not, they're not a great team. There's, it's a very winnable game. And then you have a couple games in Connecticut against the Sun who are the top team in the East. So it's not going to be necessarily an easy trip when you get back, but um, you know they got to see if they can keep this winning way going. So again, that winning streak came for them at the very worst time. All right, uh, we're going to talk about some Wolves here quick. Um, uh, just kind of going on with the Ben Simmons. Uh, now, Damian Lillard, um, there are reports that he wants out, and then there are reports that he's like, no, I just kind of want to see this thing through a little bit, but also like just need to let them know that like we need to do make some changes if we really want to win this thing. Um, so the thought that the Wolves are going to trade for Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard is just highly unrealistic. I know that Twitter has a bunch of sources, hashtag sources and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not realistic. It's just not going to work out. Um, and which leads me to the point because the, the Wolves are stuck. They don't have draft picks this year because of the D'Angelo Russell trade. They don't have cap space. Now, granted, Wiggins would have been on the books, but because of D'Angelo Russell. And they're not getting any free... I mean, no free agents are going to come to Minnesota anyways, no big ones. But the Wolves have almost zero, unless they give up future draft picks again, which is another big gamble. Um, I just, I, the team is stuck. They are, they're stuck. They've been stuck for a couple of years and this team is still talented with Cat, with Edwards and with D'Lo. And then they have a few good role guys. This, and the play-in tournament is back, is going to be back for another season. So there's a good chance that the Wolves at least get into the play-in tournament. Um, but even if they, you know, but the whole, th- the whole thing with them is that there's no, there's no conceivable way to go up without mortgaging your future even more than you already have. And D'Lo is Rosas's feather in his cap. We all gave him the props for wheeling and dealing and getting that trade. But man, if I'm looking in 2021 and looking into 2022, I, I don't know. You just have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to move unless you ship D'Lo, and they really don't want to do that. And the Sixers don't really want D'Angelo Russell. They don't want him at all. Um, so, and I, I just don't know how it would work. It would have to take a lot of work and a lot of moving pieces and not saying that Rosas isn't capable of that, but it, you you have to get so creative to the point where you might just spin yourself in a circle or break down and give up a future asset that it could bite you in the butt if it doesn't work out immediately. Um, I like Rosas. I think he's doing good things. I like the hiring of Chris Finch. I think that there is stuff we can do going, uh, stuff the Wolves can do going forward. But man, he's putting he. I've never been a huge D'Angelo Russell guy, and Rosas is putting a lot of his stock. He put his stock early in getting D'Angelo Russell. That was his big prize, and he got it. And it's been mixed results so far, and now it's inhibited the team to build going forward. Now, granted, you still have the Wiggins contract on the books. You'd still have to deal with Wiggins. So I'm not saying that it'd be perfect if we didn't trade for D'Lo or or we'd have cap space, but we'd at least have another lottery pick at our disposal. And I know we've talked about John Collins. We've talked about Miles Turner. Both those guys, there's a good chance that both those guys end up staying where they're at. 
because um, both those teams made the playoffs last year. Uh, the Hawks made the final, the conference finals. The Pacers have Rick Carlisle now as head coach, so maybe the, both of those guys just want to stay on their teams and not go anywhere. So the Wolves kind of have to get creative here. So we'll see what happens. Um, but let's talk quick about the Vikings here, um, and we'll wrap this up. But the Vikings need to extend Harrison Smith. That's I know training camp is coming up here in a couple weeks, so there's storylines haven't really opened up yet. But they usually start training camp off with noticing a few extensions. Brian O'Neill is obvious. We talked about Brian O'Neill's value, how great of a player he is. Harrison Smith is another extension that they've been reportedly trying to work out, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, Harrison Smith is the veteran face of this defense. He's the leader of the defense, more of a behind-the-scenes leader. Um, but he is the quiet leader of the defense, especially since Everson Griffin left. You need to extend Harrison Smith. I think it's a no-brainer. I know some people can point to he's getting older. He's going to want a lot of money. Um, you know, if your team is pressed up against the cap, is that really the best move? And I say yes. Harrison Smith has been with the Vikings his entire career. He's Mike Zimmer's favorite player in the sense of he can use him as a Swiss Army knife and use him for whatever he wants and get whatever he needs out of him. Extending Harrison Smith makes so much sense. Um, and if you pay him $12 million, you pay him $12 million. I mean, he can do so much for your defense. He stays relatively healthy, and no matter what, um, he's just a good player to have around, uh, and I think even if he falls off a little bit, you can Zimmer will still know how to get enough out of him, and Harrison Smith's a smart enough player to understand his role. I think it just makes too much sense. I think there's no... The only risk is that his play declines so incrementally that like you get no value out of him. But I would say based on how Harrison Smith Smith's career has gone so far, it's a no brainer. You have to re-sign him and bring him back. All right. Well, that wraps it up here for the Minnesota sports podcast. Uh, we got, We'll try and talk more about the Parisian Suter news and, and the Seattle Kraken expansion draft coming up. That's going to happen on Wednesday, so we'll have some reaction to the players the Wild lost and kind of how the league reshapes now because a lot of trades have been going on almost as a way to say, uh, not today, Seattle. We're saving some of our players. So uh, it'll, be an interesting, uh, it'll be an interesting time uh, in the NHL as, this, as they welcome their 32nd franchise um, and in Minnesota sports as we get closer to the trade deadline and as... Uh, Vikings get closer to training camp, so links will be on break. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.